Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, that was ugly yesterday, Jim, for the Twins and, and the 41,000-plus that were there with standing room only a crowd. I happen to be one of those. I decided to make an impulse buy of some tickets on StubHub the other night and found myself sitting down after the Twins were already behind 4 to nothing. It started quickly. They got to Sonny Gray, and the defense didn't really help him. Yeah, Karoloff probably should have made that play that opened the floodgates. Sonny, and, you know, the Astros, they are repeat champions for a reason. Even when they don't cheat, they have a really good idea of how to approach a pitcher. Mm-hmm. They sat on Sonny's breaking pitches, which are what make him special, and he did not have particularly good command of those breaking pitches, and they were able to pound him. And his, his breaking pitches do not get hit that hard, and the Astros jumped all over him. And then uh, Javier, who... You know, should have been a pretty good matchup for this Twins team. He used his breaking pitches just often enough, just well enough to keep the left-handed hitters at bay, and all of a sudden the game's out of hand. Yeah, and it seemed like the chase rate was pretty high against Javier. There was some talk of, you know, the shading and it's difficult time of the day to play, you know, but the Astros had to face uh, the same thing. It just looked to me like Javier kind of figured something out his last start of the regular season, and it continued on. Yep, and you know his last, his previous postseason start, he was absolutely dominant. Yep. So he seems to he seems to like that. And for some reason, Dusty Baker's players always seem to perform well in the postseason. He just had he just had enough to keep him off balance. I did think that Royce Lewis, for the, maybe the first time, looked a little anxious at the plate, over eager. Um, and hey, you know you're trying to score. If you have to score a lot of runs to win the game, and your middle order hitters just aren't very productive, you're not going to do it. Yeah, just eight home runs allowed all season by Gray, and and then he gives up, uh, you know, the early bomb last night. Uh, and Jordan Alvarez, uh, I don't know. There probably is not a pitcher who faces Jordan Alvarez that uh, thinks that he has his number. I doubt there's anybody that has Jordan Alvarez's number. That guy is a hitter. He is so good, and he's got plate coverage. He's quick inside. He can cover the outside part of the plate. He can hit it all fields. He can punish you on an inside pitch. Um, and he's just and very decisive, and he just doesn't mess around either. First good pitch he has to hit, he yanks it. He almost should get the Barry Bonds treatment. Where you walk yeah. the guy. I mean, unless you you can't walk in a run or something, obviously. But if it makes any kind of sense, just put him on base. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of those things. It's emotionally that feels like the exact right thing to do. Mm. You know, there are a million stats to say, hey, yeah. walking people intentionally does not pay off in the long run. Yeah. But in a short series, if this, you really don't want this guy to be the guy who beats you. So it's Joe Ryan tonight, uh, the game a little after 6 o'clock uh, this evening, so just a half hour or so after Jim and I are uh, talking here. and Well, we're actually talking at 12.40, but after this <laughs> airs at 5.35, they're going to have a pretty short lease, I would guess. Yes. Uh, Joe hasn't been all that good since that midseason injury. Uh, this is a, a good fastball-hitting team. He's a fastball pitcher. Listen, it'll just it'll play out however it plays out. I just don't. They're not going to lose the game because they left Joe Ryan in too long. Let's put it that way. Uh, they would rather lose the game throwing everything they have at the Astros, throwing different arm angles and pitches at them, and see what happens. If Joe pitches great, so be it. Then they'll let him roll. But if he doesn't, then they'll get him out. They spent Ober and Maeda last night, so they won't be the second man in tonight. Does that mean it's Chris Paddock, perhaps? I would think it's either Paddock or Varland. Okay. Um, they could also go with with Thielbar just to, or Funderburk just to sort of go left, right, left, right a little bit, and, and hopefully mess up the Astros in that way. Uh, but you know, 
those things can give you a marginal advantage. You still got to pitch well. They still need to put people on the mound who are actually going to get the job done. I, it would be such a terrific matchup if they could just somehow find a way to get to that that game five and have it be uh, you know Lopez against Verlander. That would that would be a great matchup. But you know they got to have things. They got to they got to start hitting tonight. If they don't put some runs on the board, it just puts too much pressure on on the defense and the pitching. Yeah, I mean it's just. You know, it's just math at this point. They just need to find a way to get one more run on the other team, extend the series, and then have Pablo go down there and dominate. Uh, and, you know, things are so magnified in the short series. You know, they put together a lot of really good bats against Verland. Yeah. They came back against the, bull, the Astros' bullpen. Then they pounded Vasquez in game two. Um, they have been producing enough this postseason. They have been hitting home runs. Yesterday was the aberration. They just didn't look as composed in, in big situations. Uh, let's talk uh, uh, Gopher basketball a little bit. Big Ten Media Days this week there in uh, Minneapolis. And and uh, it's been a rough first two years for Ben Johnson as, as coach of the Gophers. Is it going to get any better this year? It's hard to see how. Mm. You know, I think, I think the media picked him to finish last in the, in the Big Ten. Uh, it's hard to argue with that. They have some talent. They have some returning talent, um, you know. But you're handing your, you know, one of your two best players to Ohio State. You, uh, you know, you missed out on your the recruit you were going to build around, and now you're bringing back people who, you know, they're not bad basketball players, but they didn't make, they didn't swing anything to your advantage last year. You know, can Christie come in and make that big a difference? Can Dawson Garcia, you know, become the kind of star who elevates the program? It's just a lot to ask. Yeah, no doubt, and and they're behind in NIL money uh, compared yep. to a lot of the Big Ten schools. They, I don't even know if they have a collective. Maybe they do uh, that's trying to raise NIL dollars, but clearly it's not as big as the Ohio State one would be. Uh, obviously, with uh, the former head coach in charge of theirs. Yep, uh, they have a collective, but it just hasn't been all that effective. Um, and you know, it's it's kind of a the catch-22 of investing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, please give us a lot of money so we can spend money, give money to our basketball crew so we can be good. Well, you aren't good. Do, am I throwing my money away on a bad product if I give you all this money and you bring somebody and you still finish you know, 13th or 14th in the Big Ten? It's just hard. It's hard to ask for the money up front if they, people aren't sure it's going to be used well. Yeah, that's why Jamison Battle wound up over there at Ohio yeah. State. Little NIL money, and the Gopher football team is struggling. But usually in the fall, we could always turn to the volleyball team uh, for bright news out of the Gophers, but they changed coaches this year, and that apparently has had an effect. I'm not trying to say the new coach doesn't want uh, what they're doing. Uh, clearly, uh, Keegan Cook is, is, a, is a whale of a coach, but for some reason, the volleyball team is struggling. Well, you know, they, were, they weren't playing all that well last year when Hugh decided to hang it up. Yeah. And now they've had a brutal schedule. Now, on top of having a brutal schedule, they've actually lost some games against teams they shouldn't lose, like Maryland. Uh, they lost a key recruit when they changed coaches. Uh, they lost somebody to the transfer portal when they changed coaches. And, you know, they're, they're, one of their best players is playing through a knee injury. It just, it's a lot of mismatched pieces, pieces right now. They've not put it together. You know, uh, let's talk national scene just a little bit. Uh, the New England Patriots have been really bad so far this season. They can't hardly score, I think, three points, uh, four and 71 or something like that against in the in the last two weeks. Has the game left Bill Belichick behind? I mean, I don't 
Let it this way. I think if somebody hired him as a defensive coordinator, he would be a very good defensive coordinator. It's it's just hard. It's hard to maintain greatness. It's hard to maintain greatness after the people who made you great are gone, mm-hmm. and it's hard to maintain the right amount of humility when things go, start going south. You know, I mean, Bill Belichick when they built that thing, he wasn't the personnel guru, and he had Tom Brady elevating the entire franchise and covering up a lot of mistakes. Now he has a you know, a struggling young quarterback at the position. Uh, he's been in charge of personnel. That hasn't gone well. The roster is not good anymore. And, you know, he's still a, he's still a good X's and O coach, but so is everybody else. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, there aren't many bad X's and O's coaches in the NFL. So, you know, Belichick's expertise used to give him his team just enough of an edge to add on to Brady, to add on to great defensive schemes, to add on a culture they built up there. Now all that's gone, and you're just a bad NFL team. Yeah, and you know they they did a survey of NFL players uh, of which teams do the most uh, to make their players comfortable or something like that. I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. uh, somewhat. And the Vikings finished number one. They have a great new facility. I think their coaches obviously re- relate well uh, with the young players. They're always right at or right around the salary cap. They they spend the money. I don't know where the Patriots ranked. But we've heard for years that you'd better love winning and working hard under Bill Belichick because you're going to pay the emotional price. Yeah, I mean, he pushes people, and he's not the most lovable guy. And, you know, that that kind of persona works when you're winning, and it doesn't work at all when you're losing. And we saw that on a lesser scale with Zimmer here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you feel like you're on the verge of winning something, you kind of put up with that irrational personality, and you, you kind of put up with whatever jabs he gives you. As soon as you're just a losing coach, you just let him go, why, why am I taking this from you? Yeah. Do you think it's possible that Kraft would, would fire Bill Belichick? I don't think they like each other at all. Oh. So, um, you know, there, I'm sure there are people around Kraft saying, hey, you're going to look bad if you fire the guy who won all the Super Bowls. There's a classy way of, of moving on here. There's, most organizations find a way to peaceably part with people when it's time to go in, under circumstances like this. But I don't think Kraft and Belichick like each other Also, I think it was just up to Kraft. I think he'd just fire him. Uh, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5, Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.